Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, this is a regularly scheduled Friday podcast, but this one feels more like an emergency podcast because it's been such a newsy week here. We had some bond issue and levy elections on Tuesday, some really significant elections and election results. We'll talk about that. We had the ongoing race in the Boise School District, the trustee elections that come up on Tuesday, and some controversy about endorsements in those races. And then on Thursday, we had the legislature back in town for a one-day, $1 billion special session. To break all of this down, I'm joined this week by Sadie Dittenberg, a staff writer here at Idaho Ed News. Uh, you and I, we were at the State House on Thursday, so let's start there. Long day, eventful day. What sort of jumps out at you as you as you think about what we saw unfold? <laughs> um, I think there was a lot there to digest. A lot I know. happened, yeah. Um, something that jumped out at me was the lengthy debate in both the House and the Senate mm-hmm. um, for a pretty overwhelmingly positive vote. Right, right. I mean, I think I, I kind of was joking about it in the press room that if you. If you did the math here for a 90-minute debate in the Senate for one no vote, uh, the ratio of minutes of debate uh, for no votes was pretty uh, outstanding. I was struck, too. And you're right. I mean, lengthy debates in both houses. I was struck by the difference in the tone in mm-hmm. the House and the Senate. Mm-hmm. I was watching the House debate more closely as we broke down the day. I wrote about the House floor session. You wrote about the Senate floor session. The House session was really contentious. I mean, we had procedural attempts to derail the bill, mm-hmm. uh, to amend it, to break it into component parts, which would have effectively derailed the bill as well. You had you know, some really, you know, we had objections on the House floor. You had Representative Heather Scott talking about uh, critical race theory mm-hmm. and transgender issues and getting uh, multiple objections uh, raised uh, from House Democrats. Representative John McCrosty, a Democrat, get on the floor and talk about attacks on public education. That drew an objection from Representative Ron Nate, a Republican. It was a very testy debate. Senate, not so much. I mean, it was a very, especially, you know, as it led up to a 34 to 1 vote, it was a very, you know, cordial debate, I guess you could say, a very, you know, yeah, in some ways, almost a scholarly debate. Yeah, if I remember right, I don't think there were any objections, interruptions, anything like that. Um, no, and no. you had the one senator who voted no, Christy yeah, Shadow. Yeah, she debated against it, but did not try any procedural moves to mm-hmm. stop the bill. And I think that it drew more debate as well from the Democrats in the Senate. Um, there were there was more objection from them versus in the House. There was a lot more Republican. Um, objection to mm-hmm. the bill. And one of the things that struck me, and you wrote about it too, um, on the Senate side, for a bill that is this big, a law that is this big, we shouldn't be calling it a bill anymore because Governor yes. Little signed it into law <laughs> last night, it is the law of the state, it goes into effect uh, as of now. Um, I was struck by this is going to make a lot of changes in tax policy. We go to this flat tax rate that uh, tax ad- tax advocates have been pushing for for a while. You get this $410 million of new money into education. That's going to affect education policy for a lot of years to come. For a bill this far reaching, I was struck by how many lawmakers got up and said, you know, there are things I really don't like about this bill, and I'm really a little bit torn, and I guess I'll probably vote for it. And a lot of, you know, 
yeah, but I'll vote for it anyway kind of thing. And you, and you capture that in the Senate mm-hmm. from Republicans who wanted more in the way of tax cuts, from Democrats who probably wanted more in the way of education funding and weren't thrilled with another round of income tax cuts. I mean, you know, overwhelming support, but sometimes kind of lukewarm support. Yes. And I think um, uh, Senator C. Scott Grow said that in the committee meeting as well. He said that, I think he said there's more than a hundred or there's about a hundred legislators here and there's about a hundred opinions here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really was everybody had something that they didn't like. And, and it kind of dovetailed into what was another recurring theme on Thursday. This became a debate about civics. It became a debate about structure because to recap what the law does, and you know, if, you've, if you're listening to this, you've probably read a lot about what the, the law does, but let's you know, break it down into its component parts. You've got this $500 million tax credit that will go out fairly soon. You've got this $150 million income tax cut flattening out the rates to 5.8%. Then you've got this $410 million education funding component. That's actually two components, $330 million for K-12, $80 million for this in-demand careers fund. And you've got an advisory question that will be on the ballot in November. So a lot of pieces in this bill. And that became a lot of the debate was, can we do all of this in one bill and still adhere to the Constitution, which restricts bills to one subject? I mean, we heard that over and over mm-hmm. on, on, in the committee. We heard it over over, over on the floor. And, yeah, and But what was interesting about it was it, it kind of also dovetailed into the vote in that people said, well, I like this part of it, so I guess I'll vote for it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there was lots of questions about the constitutionality of the law. Um, and But it was, it was interesting that so many people questioned it and then so many people voted in favor of it. And I think what, what struck me, too, thinking about this going forward, um, into the session we'll be covering in barely four months, the big questions about where this education money are, are going to go, we don't have answers to that yet. We no. won't have answers until January. And, and, you know, ties into all the stuff we report about, about, you know, education programs, uh, you know, education funding priorities that, you know, you know permeate our daily coverage, whether it's... Uh, and talk about the teacher shortage, uh, film classified positions, facilities. I mean, but that's all going to be debated in January. It sets up a really interesting uh, debate over education funding. Yes, it does. And, and, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and as we heard on Thursday, questions about, you know, aren't we putting enough money in already? Haven't we already put in enough in the way of increases? I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on the education budgets and how those play out and how those are structured and where that money winds up going. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about it, too, um, on in both the House and Senate. Um, there were some lawmakers who said it should go toward facilities. There were some who said it should go towards um, education savings accounts. There were some that said it should go towards uh, teacher pay. So it's really, really up in the air. And with so many of those legislators not returning in January and with a new crew coming in, it'll be even more up in the air, I guess. And I think you, you touched on the number of legislators who are leaving. I think to me that made this kind of a surreal day at the mm-hmm. State House because, you know, 
especially listening to the Senate debate, and I was listening to it more in the background as I was doing other other editing, um, and you you were covering it. A lot of the debate, a lot of the lengthy debate, came from senators who are who were on the floor for the last time. I yes. mean, Jim Rice carried the bill, and he lost in the primary. Uh, Grant Burgoyne, who's retiring, debated in favor of it at some length, really talking about mm -hmm. the, the tax components and the education components. Stephen Thane, Education Committee Chair, who lost in the primary. His debate was really more about you know, social issues mm -hmm. and political discourse mm -hmm. and political dialogue. Uh, not as much about the bill, but, you know, these folks are not going to be there in four months when right. these decisions about where the money is going. That's going to be decided by a whole different legislature. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, it definitely will be. And, you know, we, we touched on it. Uh, earlier this week, we had these bond issues and, and levies. Uh, just to recap for, for listeners, the three biggest ballot measures failed on Tuesday. Coeur had an $80 million plant facilities levy that failed. Uh, Valley View had a bond issue that failed, Middleton had a bond issue that failed, and that's one you wrote about earlier yes. in this summer. You, you know that. I mean, you're from the Middleton area, so, mm -hmm. so you, you know, that's your, your, your neighborhood. I right. Mean, talk a little bit about what is facing that school district and what you found and what you heard and yeah, how this might unfold now with another failed bond issue out there. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes, I did grow up in Middleton, um, and I actually went to one of the elementary schools that's currently over capacity. Um, and so two out of three in the district are over capacity um, to a significant extent. And the one that is not over capacity, they're keeping low numbers in that school because they um, use it for a lot of special education programs. Right. They need to keep class sizes small. Um, so the, the one that I wrote about is Mill Creek Elementary, and they, I think, are at about seven, more than 700 students at this point, and it's a school built for, I believe, 500. Um, so they're really significantly over capacity. And um, when I talked to the superintendent, uh, well, first of all, in, in their bond, they wrapped it together. They wanted to build a new elementary school. They wanted to build a CTE center, um, a career career technical education center, and they wanted to do repairs on Heights Elementary um, because it, I believe, the roof needs replacement. Um, so that was kind of the bond measure in its entirety. And um, when I talked to the superintendent, he said that if the bond didn't pass, which obviously it did not, we know that now, um, that they are going to invest in more portables um, on both campuses. but. At Mill Creek, currently they have they already have portables, and um, the the principal of that school said that once they get more portables, it really isn't going to make much of an impact. Um, at so Heights, they're barely keeping up. If they're keeping barely up keeping all. up exactly, um, and that also brings in questions of school safety. Like if there was an emergency in the school, what happens to the kids in the portable? Um, it's more difficult to lock doors. It's more difficult to transport students from the main building to the portable. So it it brings up a lot of concerns. And um, at Heights Elementary, they have room for more, but they need permission from the city first. So they don't. Um, they don't really, they need to go through a bunch of procedural moves in order to get another portable on that campus. Um, and the roof is, you know, falling apart. So 
Yeah, there are so many component parts to this whole debate about school facilities. I mean, it's it's a growth aspect because what they were talking about, Middleton or Valley View or Coeur d'Alene, these are fast-growing communities. I mean, yeah, the, very fast. You know, you're seeing it in Middleton. Um, you're seeing it firsthand in Middleton. So there's the growth aspect, and whether you're keeping up with the growth, or whether you're keeping up with deferred maintenance roofs that you know live their life and need to be replaced. But that safety element, that school mm-hmm. safety element, especially in light of what we've seen in the past few months, has taken on new importance. That was a big part of the Coeur d'Alene debate, and mm-hmm. a big part of the Coeur d'Alene plant facilities levy was aimed at trying to improve school safety, trying to beef up security, and you know, you know make the, the schools more physically secure. So a lot of elements, and again, that ties back into what we will probably hear a lot of discussion about come January when the legislature is back in town. Yeah, and it's becoming a traffic issue too in Middleton. Um, the principal there at Mill Creek said that their crossing guard gets hit at least once a week by a car, um, just, you know, bumped or tapped, but still. Um, and so for kids, there's subdivisions all around the school so for kids who walk um, or are dropped off at a bus stop that's not at the school um, it's it's really it's it's pretty concerning for those kids and for the crossing guard Um, and that also ties into our classified staff shortage and yeah speaking of the classified shortage and and this this ties into what we saw Tuesday with the elections and it's a I felt like the Tuesday elections were kind of a microcosm of what we're seeing in terms of school finance and how school funding issues are affecting districts large and small. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about and writing about Coeur d'Alene and Middleton and Valley View because they're, they're large districts and you know what voters uh, decided on you know, affects a uh, large number of students. But I want to spend a second talking about Three Creek, <laughs> which is one of the smallest school districts in the state. It's out closer to Jackpot, Nevada, than it is Twin Falls. I mean, it is the outback. <laughs> voters approved a $40,000 supplemental levy on Tuesday to spend money over those two years to hire a paraprofessional, classified employee, mm-hmm. that they feel like they really need to teach those few students that are in the, the, uh, the Three Creek District. Vote was 13 to 3. It, it passed. Mm-hmm. It got the simple majority it needed. but. Uh, this isn't just an issue facing the large districts, it's facing the small districts, and I expect we'll see a lot of discussion about that come January. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, the discussion just began Thursday, and we'll just pick up more in, in four months. Um, let's shift gears a little bit, though, because I want to talk about, and I want to shine a light on the story that you wrote, really, really interesting story earlier this week. Another corner of the state, mm-hmm. West Bonner. Yes. ELA curriculum on yes. hold as school begins next week. Catch us up on that. It's a, it's a really interesting story. Yeah, so um, last week on Wednesday, West Bonner um, rescinded a curriculum for English and language arts that they had already approved in June. And they did that because there was some controversy about social emotional learning in the curriculum. Um, so there was one for, called Wonders that's for K through five and one called Study Sync that's for six through 12 and they rescinded both of them. Um, and the, the K through five 
curriculum has more of the social emotional learning component than the other one does. Um, and there was a collaboration that the, the it's published by McGraw-Hill and McGraw-Hill did a collaboration with Sesame Street. And in that collaboration, they added some social emotional learning. So things like read this paragraph and find out how you can, you know, empathize with this character, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so their intention was to teach empathy, teach these social problem solving skills, that kind of stuff. But it's become kind of construed as a gateway into indoctrination attempts and critical race theory mm -hmm. and all of that that's being debated. All the catchphrases that are permeating the education debate exactly. we heard on the House floor on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Heather Scott, who Heather was a Scott, figure in yes. the West Bonner uh, story because that's her legislative district. Uh, and she was in the legislature trying to advocate for um, not funding getting, education, getting critical in, in race additional theory funding out of for education until exactly. SEL, not SEL, but CRT mm -hmm. is eliminated from schools and libraries get rid of objectionable material. Yeah. So where does West Bonner go? They, they go into school next week, they've gotten rid of the new curriculum, they go back to the old curriculum, but it's not quite that simple, is it? Yeah, they go back to an old curriculum, but the part of the curriculum is out of print. So they can't order any student workbooks. Um, and the other part of it, or another part of it, is um, they, they, their licensing has expired for that. So they can't access part of the online component, which is a pretty significant part of the curriculum and they can't order any student workbooks so one of the moms that i talked to she said she talked to the board after the meeting and they told her that she should just hope that her kid gets a teacher who taught the curriculum last year or was taught the curriculum before um, because it really is going to be up to those more experienced teachers to teach any new teachers in the district about how to teach this old curriculum and um, kind of create lessons from nothing because there are no workbooks and yeah so they're really they're really just kind of trying to build something from nothing and what I, what I liked about the story what was interesting about the story was you know again we hear this debate at the state level so much we heard it again Thursday on, on the house floor this brings the debate over social emotional learning the blowback over concerns about indoctrination in schools, all of those uh, those hot button issues, it brings it down to what's happening in one school district and mm -hmm. how it's affecting one community and one group of students. Yeah, and I, when I talked to the superintendent, um, she said that she feels that this teacher morale in the district is kind of sinking. Um, and it's something that complicates it a little bit more is that that district is about six miles over the border from a district in Washington. So any of those district, any of those teachers in that district could probably drive to a district in Washington just as easy as they could Idaho. Um, so it kind of complicates it a little bit more. And um, a lot of the parents I talked to were concerned that they were going to lose teachers. So it's, it's another component of the teacher retention issue, right. the teacher retention debate that is going to permeate funding issues that are debated in January. It all, it all ties back to what we'll be writing back come January when, when the session, we assume that's the next we'll see of the legislature in January. <laughs> we think we're done with them until, until January, but who knows? <laughs> 
I, I wanted to have you on the podcast too because you, you're one of our new reporters. You've been here for about two months. Uh, I wanted to you know, have listeners you know get to know you a little bit. Normally, I would have done that at the beginning of the podcast, say, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, but there was so much, so much news to get to. Yeah, there's lots to talk about. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up here. You, you mentioned that you're, you're a native. You grew up in Middleton. Yes, I grew up in Middleton. Um, I went to the College of Idaho, graduated this year. Um, I majored in international political economy, but I minored in journalism, and that's always kind of what I intended to do. Um, but C of I just doesn't have a journalism major. Um, so we have one journalism professor, and it's Alan Minskoff, and shout out to him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I graduated from C of I, and I was good friends with Blake Jones, um, who used to work here. And so um, I, he left here and I was like, oh, that's an open position. And so I kind of, you know, put my feelers out and ended up here. So, yeah. yeah. The, the Yoke pipeline is, uh, yeah. is served as well <laughs> and, and continues to. See you by to Ed News Pipeline. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to have you on board. You've been doing some outstanding stuff for us just in the, the two months you've been here. And I know we'll be working together again come January when, when the session comes back into town. Thanks for joining us for the podcast this week. Listeners, there's just so much uh, to catch up on at Idaho Ed News this week. We touched on uh, the big stories of the week. If you want to get caught up on exactly what happened at the special session, Sadie and I have a, uh, a, a round by round, blow by blow account of what happened on <laughs> Thursday. Uh, you know, all the details about the debate, all the details about the new law, all the reactions uh, to what transpired at the State House. We've got that for you. I have a roundup of what happened in those uh, school elections, the, the bond issues, the levies. I, I also have the latest on the debate in the Boise School District, the, the blowback over the Idaho Liberty Dogs endorsement in one race in particular and how that's playing out, and a lot more. Our, our, our friend Carly Flandro had a piece about outdoor education programs, about how those are providing new services for, for students and really kind of expanding the boundaries of the schools. Devin Bodkin has the latest on teacher evaluations and whether school districts and school administrators are complying with the law there. So all of that you can find at idahoednews.org. Follow us on Twitter at idahoednews. We will tweet out the latest uh, news that we have, bulletins on breaking items, links to our stories. Follow us on Facebook, comment on our stories there, and check back next week for another edition of the podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good Labor Day weekend.